This is Irish Illustrated Insider with Tim O'Malley. I am Tim Priester today, two-man booth, as we preview Nordame versus Boston College this Saturday. Boston College 5-5, five and five, Nordame kind of stuck in that number 16 spot, Tim. Yeah. yeah. Uh, without, without quality opponents to move up against. And they're penalized for the losses. They probably should be to Michigan. But, uh, yeah, if if I was going to nitpick, I don't even know if we're going to talk about this, but I don't know if you have three loss Auburn ahead of Notre Dame. That, yeah, I that's thought, a bit much. I thought, yeah, I thought the same thing. Uh, you know, if Notre Dame was playing somebody of note during this time. That's the, that's the problem. They'll move up a little. Minnesota will lose again. Um, Penn State gets absolutely obliterated. They can move ahead of them. Although I, I don't think they'll move ahead of Penn State. But their teams will lose again. Uh, yeah, and we have questions in segment two about you know, what if Nordame had done this or their affiliation and getting into a better bowl? I, Michigan could be behind Notre Dame as we've laughed for the last month, but that could happen because they just, they'll be behind them if they lose to no, Ohio State. No, <laughs> just like last year, they shouldn't have been ahead of Notre Dame. Uh, this year, of course, Notre Dame uh, should not be ahead of Michigan. But, you know, Boston College, I, I you know, I don't, I wouldn't anticipate there being an issue here about whether Nordame wins this game or not as a 19-point favorite, but I have too much history with Boston College, too much history knowing Steve Adazio from when he was here at, at Notre Dame and knowing his personality and how he runs the program and what a what what an influence he has on his players being up for a game like this and being physical. And we know that they're running game. You know, there's all even when they're struggling, and they're struggling at five and five. But they lost by three to Wake Forest and two to Louisville. I mean, they could be six and four, seven and three. If this was a seven and three team, we'd look at them differently. But they're not, and they have a bad defense, and we know that. But they are a physical program, and they've got a great running game. If you told me this game is going to be closer, Tim, than your prediction at the end of this podcast, but I, I get it. Great running game, Notre Dame. Last time they faced a great running game, didn't handle it very well. Just a physical matchup where they had to run. Notre Dame didn't handle it well. BC has a better running game than Michigan, if not better. Obviously not better all-around players. But if you told me they are going to lose, I would I would be absolutely shocked at what would have had to have gone wrong this week in South Bend. And what would go wrong in the game. It just Ian Book could go back to Ian Book of the whole game against Virginia Tech, and Notre Dame still shouldn't lose this game because he was fine. He would have to have a horrid game. There'd have to be uncharacteristic fumbles by Notre Dame's running backs like there was in the Virginia Tech game. BC is capable of things because they have A.J. Dillon if the game gets shortened and David Bailey and a good offensive line that will protect. But they don't have... They just... They should not be able to stop no. Notre Dame over 60 minutes. That doesn't mean they can't... I have the same wariness you have of Boston College and Senior Day and Boston College plus Senior Day and slipper uniforms against Boston College on Senior Day. That's even fun, too. What, what's well, going on with that? And we, <laughs> and we remember 2002, you, you know, when, when an 8-0 Notre Dame team started, fumbled seven times. I yeah, don't know how many you, they if lost. you told but, me that that team would lose going to that right. game, but I told you you're crazy, too. So. Right, right. And BC does not turn the ball over due largely to the fact that they run it so much and their big guys don't fumble it. Another way to try to stay close is don't turn it over, run the ball well, score a couple of touchdowns, get yeah. a couple of turnovers, and you're only down 21-14. That's, and game pressure comes in. But the loss is something that I would be – it would be an indictment. Being in a game where you have to put it away – with 15 minutes to go, is not an indictment. Yeah, senior day, you know, certainly does It's a mixed bag it, for Kelly, it, basically. Good, great, average, bad. Right. Yeah. I, I saw where uh, Eric Hansen of the South Bend Tribune talked to He had a story about Notre Dame after playing Navy. They're 5-4. and four. Um, 
you had Navy. 2012 was different because you were coming back from Ireland. But, yeah, I mean, they were coming back from Ireland, and so they struggled against Purdue. I don't know what the correlation there is. But, yeah, I mean, there there are a couple things that are yeah. kind of conspiring against Notre Dame, but it is at Notre Dame, and you should win, and you've won 17 in a row, that, 17 in a row now, right? Yeah, and this be would be 18. Going for 18. They'd have to tie it next year. I will ask you this. If the weather, it's not supposed to be, but if what we're looking at outside makes it so Notre Dame can't pass either, yeah, then we're, we're getting a ton of rain yeah. here in South Bend on Thursday. That's supposed to clear up, although right. I haven't checked the the forecast here recently. I wasn't expecting this. No, this this I'd uh, rain earlier in the week. But you know, I do want to say I think I made a comment about Anthony Brown and that Dennis Grossell is is you know maybe better for them. I I didn't. Anthony Brown had become a pretty darn good quarterback, completing nearly sixty percent of his passes. Big, long, talented athlete. Uh, and Grossell, when you look at his numbers, he's completing less than 50%. But I like this kid because you want to talk about pocket presence. This kid will not, he will stand in there and take every shot you give him. He's only been sacked three times and only thrown two interceptions. But I think the the 49.5% completion percentage is a byproduct of him just hanging in there and he's going to make the throw. And so some of those are rushed under pressure. Sure. And he's, I, you know, I think he's done a, Pretty darn good job. He actually, when Brown got hurt against Wake Forest, he came in, and the first pass that he threw was for a touchdown. So I mean, he's got he's got some moxie. I know yeah. he's a former walk-on and baseball player, but he does have some moxie, even though the numbers don't necessarily back it up. And I like their old line. Um, I love their old line, especially if you consider everyone knows they're going to run, yet they still run. That's the point of an offensive line of physicality up front. They know you're running, and you run anyway. Yeah, I, I commented on today's Thursday thoughts because I made a comment about I love their offensive line in my film review, and they're like, well, if Notre Dame had those two backs. I get that. I get that those two backs are better than Notre Dame's backs, but they're getting push. I, I, those two guys have room to run, and then when you give a 245-pounder and 250-pounder uh, you know, a head of steam, they're going to be even that much more difficult. But I, I love their offensive line. I want – you know uh, – Justin Fry was the guy that was up mm-hmm. for the, the to replace Harry Heastan, the Boston College offensive line coach. He has since left for UCLA. Um, but they have a guy that came in, Troutwine, who's not uh, – here it is, I have it. Uh, Phil Troutwine. And this was supposed to be an offensive line in transition, and it hasn't been that. This guy was a all-SEC at Florida in 2008, uh, and he's new to the position – but the offensive line's done a really good job. It is the real thing about BC is they're just not the Boston College we all grew up with in the in the last five coaching eras, basically. That gritty, tough defense that can come in and hold Notre Dame fourteen points below their average as they usually do when they get right. Like, they held look, Don Brown. Well, that was the last time Notre Dame faced Boston College with Don Brown, and it was a 1916 game. With a real offense, too. This is I know yeah. he's done it to BK in 2011, him to 16, but he did it to the Deshaun Kaiser Will Fuller right. offense as well. They're, they don't have that defensive personnel. They don't have that defensive approach. They don't have that any proven history of playing that No, their of defense. defensive approach is as basic 4-3 as you can imagine. They'll bring a linebacker because Max Richardson is the best football player on their team. Yeah. He's really yeah, good. He's, Always behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, but they can't afford to. I, I wrote this in the um, film review. 
they can't afford guys in the secondary because they're giving up 305 <laughs> yards passing a game. And that's why I feel Notre Dame losing is not a thing. They, they're going right. to be able to. They're hot back there. The receivers, there's more receivers now for Notre Dame than there has been all year long playing confident football. Yeah, they don't have a distinguishing defensive lineman, and the secondary is one that that you can definitely take advantage of. It's even worse of. than next week's. Yeah, well, that one's a little bit... <laughs> Get it, that man. one's a little bit more unexplainable because of Adebo and how good he is, although he has been banged up, right, recently? Yes. Yeah, but it's, uh, I don't think of Stanford being ranked 107 in pass efficiency defense, no. and you don't think of BC being ranked 121 in it, pass efficiency it's, defense. It's, it's, really, it's really hard to believe that Stanford is there. But, um, and, you know, Boston College to this level, because... They have been good defensively, but they haven't. They've they've been backsliding since Don Brown. It's been left. three years. Since, it really yeah, has. Yeah. It, yeah, it really has. Um, I did want to talk about something that I addressed in my Thursday thoughts today, and that is that Notre Dame's interior defensive line is beaten up right now. Not your starters, which is, of course are the two main <laughs> important. The yeah. two main guys, but they do rotate in there, and they do a good job of rotating too, especially Adam. Yeah, and Jason Adamiola's got a bad ankle. I mean, we saw him go down, and he's not going to be 100%. And uh, Jacob Lacey is banged up too with his shoulder, um, and yet he played a whole bunch of snaps last week. So they need those, they need those two guys, and I'm not sure... Lacey, I think, will will go yeah. because he was able to go last week. But Adamiola, not sure. Howard Cross is at, He's at four the, games. Yeah, it's a mistake. Brian Kelly yeah. thought it was three uh, the other day when he said it. Uh, but it is at four games. And I would think that he, they're going to do everything they can to preserve his year of eligibility. But he has to be on alert. He has to be ready in case David Lacey goes down. Right. And I think, or Adamiola I, goes down. I think Lacey... Plays maybe a little three technique he'll this week. He'll have to. Uh, he'll, he did a little. Now I, I noticed it against Navy, but it was oh, Navy. I did. he did. But it's Navy, so there's a three down line. Okay. Franklin was at the nose. He was to his right. I okay, mean, but that doesn't mean anything. No. It's Navy's line. He's going to have to play some three technique if Adamiola can't go. Um, they have to get enough snaps out of those three. Does Hunter Spears play? He's he, only played two fourth, games. If Notre Dame can take care of business, he can play in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but they. I don't think they want to trust Hunter Spears to Boy, a not against, touchdown. Not game against AJ Dillon. Or not against this uh, yeah. interior O line and those running backs. So Heinish and MTA will have to play more snaps than usual. <laughs> probably have to extend them a little bit. Maybe they only get some out of Adamiola, whatever he can give them. In the first, maybe they give Adamiola first half snaps because then it tightens up. You know, you can get out there and play until until you can't. Until you can't, right? Um, uh, well, look, MTA has down. to MTA yeah. has to play more snaps this week. Yes, yeah. and Heinish has to play more snaps this week because Lacey probably has to bounce over to three technique a little bit. And anyway. Franklin will have to play. Franklin has to, yeah. Franklin yeah. has to play. Um, yeah, it could get a little tricky uh, if something else happens in here. But you still, yeah, you something still else have has your... to happen for that to matter. I mean, yeah. you, if you get twenty snaps out of Lacey and Adamiola behind MTA at the three technique, you're fine. Yeah, and if you get ten from Franklin behind Heinish and five from Lacey, you're, you know Lacey's right. playing double, yeah. two positions. It's a, it's going to be a little bit of a juggling act there, and it's just it's it's like oh God, you're playing of all of all teams to be playing with a banged up interior line. It's it's the most physical. It's a very yeah. f- very physical. I, I I would literally, based upon what I saw this week, I would literally put Boston College's offensive line. On this schedule, behind Georgia and, and Michigan, and Michigan's offensive line was really only great against Notre Dame. They've been trending up, but, but they yeah, have they... definitely been trending up um, since since that game. But I would BC, 
look, they're agile. They use their hands very well. They're relentless. It's a really, really good offensive line. I didn't expect to see what I saw in watching, I think I watched seven of their, seven or eight of their mm-hmm. games. So it's good. So, you know, it's it's senior day. You just, emotionally, you better be ready to play physically. Uh, or, I mean, you can have a little, you're going to have a little bit, they're going to run the ball. They're going to have some success. Yeah, they used to have, Notre Dame used to have a, <laughs> for everybody listening, a really, really bad senior day experiences under, under Lou Holtz, most of all. But you know yeah. what? Those guys were ranked in the top 10. That's why. They used to bring in right. Tennessee and number 13 Boston College and Penn State, and that makes it a tougher senior day than playing Wake Forest. What's Kelly's sure record on senior day? He's only lost in to Virginia Tech, off the top of my head, 2016, and Louisville in 14. 2014, That's it. yeah. Those are the only two. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. his track record's a... A great game against Utah, out of nowhere. A horrible game against BC, I'm going chronologically. Um, they destroyed Wake Forest in 2012. Had a underdogs against BYU and beat BYU. That's funny. Uh, underdogs in Louisville lost right. on the so there, field there is not the there's yeah. not the he hasn't had the bag. Brian Kelly yeah. no the Navy won a couple years ago it had nothing to do with Senior Day and everything to do with Miami yeah. so I, I yeah. think they'll be ready all right sounds good segment two burning up the boards coming up hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price Priceline we're in segment two burning up the boards and we start with a question from ND Irish fan 88 as someone who hasn't watched Boston College this year, is A.J. Dillon the only worry on this team? Uh, David Bailey, his compliment in the backfield, is number one to think of for me. Um, they do not, I guess he doesn't compliment him as much as they run the same way. <laughs> They're two bruising runners. You're not looking at uh, Reggie Brooks and Jerome Bettis, you're looking at... No, but you know what? But I mean, Bailey's average two Rodney Culvers, are... right? <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. yeah. I, David Bailey, they use they run him a little bit more outside. He's averaging over six yards a yeah, carry. It's... Now he doesn't have the volume, the volume of car- eight seven hundred ninety nine carries for AJ Dillon in his career. Nah, oh my God! He's got to move on. <laughs> seven ninety nine. Uh... No, Bailey. Bailey's good. I love. I think Max Richardson. Yeah, you call him the best player on the team. Well. But... Behind AJ okay. Dillon, that was silly. But but clearly the best yeah. defensive player on the team and the second best player, yeah, uh, on the team. Max Richardson is a real quality linebacker for them. For in terms of complementing the running game, I like Hunter Long at tight end. They go multiple tight ends a lot, and he's the one that they send downfield. Their tight ends have caught. I had the number in the film review, like 55 receptions when you combine all their tight ends. Yeah, Hunter Long's good. He's kind of a, he can be a little bit bumbling, stumbling kind of <laughs> look to him, but he's averaging 21 yards a reception. He's really, really productive. Uh, BC Senior Day tight ends. See, we found another one for you. Right yeah. Uh, Kobe White is their best receiver. He's kind of, he kind of reminds me of uh, physically. Like a Derek Mays type, you know, put together real solidly. He's not that good, but uh, but he's yeah, a good. I was say, let's no, go no, there. he's a good. But he's he's a good player. Um, you know who their wide receivers coach is? If you're fans of the Notre Dame BC rivalry, uh, former Notre Dame killer Rich Gannell. 
from 2009. Oh, 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 oh. Well, Brian, yeah. Brian White's a former uh, well. grad yeah. assistant that's on their staff. Uh, Rich Goodell, really? Remember that guy? Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> Charlie yeah. Charlie Weiss is, uh, yeah. he just kept running a corner out every single play yeah. for 20 yards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's really annoying, actually. As Charlie Weiss's defenses were apt to allow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they have some pieces. They have some yeah, pieces, so. but, I mean, and we have a, question about the unit so we'll talk about that here in a little bit Wheaton fan tactically Notre Dame will need some good old-fashioned gang tackling to bring these BC running backs down to the ground but strategically what defensive schemes or personnel packages do you see Clark Lee creating to ensure those tactics materialize? I mean I I think I guess you could toy with a five-man D-line a little bit but I mean this is you're probably going to see more base defense yeah I think single high safety is going to be there rather than too high, and I mean, I think they might have right. that from Michigan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bring a bring a safety in about. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I don't think there's anybody really. Kobe White is a clutch, good receiver, and Hunter Long is a is a good tight end. But do you do you design a no a, a defensive plan around those guys? No. Troy Pride and Sean Crawford can handle Kobe White, and Owusu Koromoa and the Notre Dame safeties can handle Hunter Long if you're if you're on your keys. That's. Yeah, I think a single high safety is what you'll see a lot. They'll, obviously, Clark Lee will switch it up. The five-man line makes sense in some at some points um, now that they've shown it. But this isn't a quarterback like Quincy Patterson where the ball you wanted the ball to go in the air. You're not daring it to happen. That's what the five-man line was doing. They, you know what, though? They run better than Virginia Tech. So a five-man line at times, considering they have very good three to good defensive ends, you might want to just have them on the field is not a terrible idea because that also helps your interior that as we talked about in the last segment, a little under the they're not as healthy. It's just it's it's funny how I mean not funny, but <laughs> I mean it, it, today's game, everything is such a matchup. Yeah. Such such a matchup issue for you. And you know, I mean I I, I, I think you just you gotta line up and you've gotta you've got to defend the running game and it, it's not a it's not a passing game that necessarily you're going to fear. Stubber his question is, Boston College has a history of pissing in our punch bowl and ruining our buzz. From your perspective, has the team been focused this week? Any chance of a letdown? Boston College looks like a Jekyll and Hyde. It's anyone's guess what team shows up Saturday. Is this is the 20-point spread too much? It's, a, it's 19 today. I think it's the right spread because I wouldn't know where to go with it, which makes it the right spread. Uh, from the history perspective... That's why I always worry about Boston College on Senior Day, because I've had to live it a few times. Yeah. Um, any chance of a letdown? Sure. Simply because it's Senior Day and they're coming off. I mean, they really feel good about themselves, right? There's the They Navy. do. They prepared the hell out of the Navy. There's the Navy letdown off, uh, most of the time. There's the Navy letdown. These are all ancillary things that should not affect the right. outcome of the game. Um, that- First of all, we don't. I don't. I don't know whether they're focused this week. No, we don't get to see them at all anymore during the week. Uh, we don't even get to talk to them about those things because they bring out. Well, especially this week, we just talked about. Yeah. Now, now we'll now stuff. we'll have access to uh, Brian Kelly tonight for a show. Kind and, of. Yeah. And I mean, we can't ask questions, but you know, I think sometimes we can look at them and listen to them. It's a thing. We it's can, access. And, and yeah. sometimes I think he kind of lets his guard down a little bit in answering a question. You have to take everything with a grain of salt in terms of what kind of week practice week they had, you know, that that kind of thing. But I don't think this is a Jekyll and Hyde Boston College team. I think what you see is what you get. They run the hell out of the football. They're terrible defensively. They're a poor tackling defense. Um, I mean, I think what you see is what you get. When your defense is as bad as theirs is, you're, I mean, five and five. That 
that just about makes sense. They lost their starting quarterback, so they don't throw it quite as well, and their receivers are okay. Yeah, and for me, even more so, I just said in the last segment, if they just had better pieces defensively, and you could think maybe Ian Book won't be as good as he has been the last two weeks. What if Ian Book is the same as he was in October? Then there'd be more cause for concern in terms of upset. Yeah, you know, now Richard Jurgen is one of their defensive <laughs> you ends. Told me that last week. That's crazy. Who grad transferred <laughs> there. Um, I didn't see a ton on film. I saw a sack. Uh, his numbers are very, very average. I, I guess it was half a sack because that's what he has. He has five tackles for loss. He couldn't even play at Clemson, Tim. How good could he possibly be? I mean, anybody's rolls in there and makes plays, right? <laughs> I think I know why he transferred. He got to Clemson, looked around, and thought, that's not, I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a, it was a good move, and he's <laughs> yes. playing. He's sharing time, but he's playing. Marcus Valdez, number ninety-seven. I kind of like him. He's really active, but he, but he's overactive. Notre Dame has to blow it. Notre Dame has to blow it and come unfocused, and they have yeah. done it in the past. But I would be surprised. yeah. Now is is nineteen or twenty points too much? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm probably inclined to have to pick Boston College to cover just just because of some of the ancillary things that right, we talked right. about. ND Nation 06, outside of the BC running game, is there any other position group that poses a concern to Notre Dame? Also, probably more, we've probably touched on that. So on the flip side, what position group can Notre Dame exploit? Yeah, the, the DBs are the, the DBs have been bad. They, uh, Mike Palmer's their free safety. I've seen him make some plays. Jason Matry is one of their corner corners. I've seen him make some plays, but I, I have not seen a secondary Miss as many tackles as this group has. And Claypool is refusing to be tackled. <coughs> he is refusing to be tackled this year. I really like the direction of Notre Dame's pieces because of Claypool and Komet, that everything you, you have to pay attention to Claypool and Komet, which means Keys and Lindsay and Fink could kill you. Yeah, and Fink's playing good football. He's healthy. Keys is is coming on. Lindsay's coming on. Uh, uh, you know, I would I would expect Notre Dame to be able to just throw the football as much as they want. As physical as we always talk about Boston College, man, they're spitting up yards on the ground too. Yeah. 180-some yards a game, which is just... Just a different team that you're used to seeing from the program. Right. I, you know, I just you'd like to have enough confidence in the Notre Dame offensive line that they're going to pound them. I'm not sure that I have that confidence. I still think it's they'll protect I still Book, think, though, and he'll deal they'll they'll, they'll yeah, yeah they'll protect Book. They do. There is not a distinguishable pass rusher on this Boston College team, other than when they blitz Richardson. Richardson has three and a half of their eleven sacks. Their li- their linebacker. You know, I mean, he's got the, he's got a, a, a significant percentage of their sacks coming from the second level. Judge Arthur Vandelay under Brian Kelly. Notre Dame is five and four after playing Navy, with four of the five wins decided by ten or less. Does the stat, along with the fact that it's senior day against BC, cause any hesitation picking Notre Dame to cover, or Notre Dame to win, or at least trepidation in picking to win? Notre Dame to to win, no, to cover, yes. Yeah. Right, to to put it succinctly, they, um, they've had some senior days where they just yeah don't look great. Remember the Wake Forest Mike Elko senior day? They didn't come close I, to cover. But I just, I mean, don't you just. Feel I, I guess I feel about it today differently than I did on Saturday and Sunday. That it's like, man, they're locked in, and now it's like the reality of Senior Day and the potential for letdown. But I just don't. I mean, if Brian Kelly is when he says that his players want to keep being pushed, right. I just you know I think they're dialed in here, and I think you're going to see a strong performance for them. Where where you would see some give is maybe against the running game because your your backups are a little banged up on inside. You don't you you know. You don't have Aquara. You don't have Hayes. Maybe that shows up a little bit more here. Guess how many 
missed tackles pro football focus says A.J. Dillon and David Bailey have caused. Just those two guys. How many? 100. <laughs> Holy crap. Well, they're going to run. They are going to run through some tackles. And like I said, they've been getting ahead of steam behind that offensive line. So. You, you have to you have to bring your physicality yeah, into this yes. game, or it's going to show that that you didn't bring it, Mister Outerbridge. We had him on here before. Never said. I'm not sure. On Monday's podcast, you mentioned I don't think so. that fans draw the line for a successful season as a New Year's Six bowl bid. Considering the ACC deal does not offer consistent pathways into those bowls and also limits the number of historical or geographical rivals we can play, is it fair to say the deal is behind a lot of the decreased excitement with the middling years like this one? And if so, what option does Notre Dame have? Man, I'm telling the middling years are eight and five now. Right. This is this is still upper echelon Notre Dame under Brian Kelly, or it's Um, trending in that way. I got another one for you before we go over the middling years. It's more than upper echelon under Brian Kelly. This is the best 39 game stretch, and if you want to make it 40 to go to next year when they beat Navy to start the season, since Lou Holtz. 1988. 1988 through 1991. The difference is... In other words, the beginning of the Holtz era. So the 1990 through 94, Lou Holtz's best was 33-6-1. Brian Kelly will be 33-6 if they win out. Now, Holtz was at one point 41-5. In that great yeah. era, but like he, that, he won a national the, title, and yeah. he was winning major bowls. But I'm Those saying that's the beginning of the Lou Holtz era, and then even starting after at the the second right. half, they never matched it. Like they only yeah. matched this once. Right. So this is a good run. The problem is the losses are just the all time stomach punches and humiliating. Yeah, and in the and, I, and the the pathway the pathway to a New Year's Six bowl was created by Notre Dame losing by 31 to Michigan. Yes. I, yeah, you no, know, that's, I, that's the reality of it. The Michigan games, are, as I said, the losses are humiliating and debilitating. It's like when they, before they lost to Stanford, when they lost to Miami by 33 points three years ago or a couple years ago, even the most ardent Notre Dame fans said, we don't deserve a New Year's Day Bowl because there were so many. And they were right. But it's the, you cannot get housed like that and have another loss. I mean, it's not a one bad day theory. You've had another right. loss. Right. And we have, there's a, where did I stick that question about? I guess I stuck it near the end. But I mean, where would, where, we'll get to that yeah. later. But, you know, there are, there's just a glut of one and two loss teams right now because you lost so significantly to Michigan. You can't be ahead of those teams. It's a strange year in that the Pac 12 has two that are good, really good. Right. The Big 12 has two instead of one. The Big Ten has four in front of you, which doesn't happen. Five in front of you, which doesn't happen. Minnesota has jumped into it. I mean, they have Minnesota, Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State in front of you. Right. It doesn't so normally now, happen. I the mean, Notre Dame, is, there. It, Notre Dame is going to start moving up a little bit here, right? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, people will. If you figure, I wasn't kidding. I mean, they'll, they'll move ahead of Michigan at the end of the year. Why is Auburn, why is Auburn ahead of Notre Dame? That's a weird, that's the vote. That's too much SEC's bias that I don't ever subscribe to. I never talk about SEC bias. That is SEC bias. It is ridiculous that a three-loss team is ahead of Notre Dame. You know, if Baylor loses again, they'll probably fall behind Notre they Dame. Will. Michigan will fall behind Notre Dame with a third loss. Which remains funny. <laughs> Which you love. Florida Florida would, of course, with a third loss. Minnesota, second loss, would probably fall behind. Wisconsin with a third Notre loss. Notre Dame, but... I, you know, I just think it, this is a byproduct of losing by 31. That That's what it is. CMU Pens fan, if you took 
Jafar Armstrong out of the equation due to injury. Who has been the most disappointing performer for the Irish this season? We've got to go to the top end of the roster to be disappointed, right? That's how I kind of look at this question. Um, look. I would say that he's going to continue to change that narrative right, in the last now, two games, as but right as of right now, yeah, the, the lull the, the lull at the beginning and through the middle of the season. And Michigan. And Michigan to the extreme, along with the rest of his teammates. But, yeah, I, yeah Ian Book. What'd you say? We grade on a curve. Yeah. We're, oh, yeah. He's he's had a fine, he's going to end up having a fine year, but we're grading on a curve, and he was our number two player going in. Our number one was Aquara, who would also be a candidate for this. I would agree. Not as super fair, since he had his season truncated. I mean, he could be out there tackling people yeah. for the next three weeks, too, and we wouldn't say that. Uh, some people are going to say Gilman. I completely disagree with that. Some people will say Elliott. I, I just... I, Notre Dame's past defense just, numbers yeah. are too good... He just didn't take the giant next step. People, some people were thinking he made such strides that he could make those strides yet again, and I think he didn't. But I, but I, 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 I wrote this. I contend that, especially when you're talking about safeties, you, plays that don't materialize, oh yeah, aren't necessarily going to show up in the in the stat sheet. I don't think Elliott is a candidate for this. At all. Just because he didn't build on last year's statistically impressive season I, doesn't mean I, No, I, I, I agree with that. And, and I know that Notre Dame has faced some bad passing teams. Duke is not a good passing team. Bowling Green's terrible. Navy can't. Um, Virginia Tech Virginia couldn't. Tech, you yeah. know, that was a bad situation for them with their quarterback hurt. Maybe even with their, quarter, their quarterback that um, they still wouldn't have been that good. But I, I just, I just don't. I just don't believe in that. So I guess our choice is, is Ian Book. With a yeah, chance to – trending up with a chance to rewrite it. But you've got to count all ten games, certainly, if you're Notre Dame, because people remember four the most and two the most. Right. And he was, wasn't was – I actually, as I've said in the past, I thought Ian Book competed well at Georgia, and I yeah. would not put him in that. But, boy. Brian won USMC with the O-line starters all returning next year. Could you see any changes in positions or starters? I don't think so. I just think Josh Lugg will be a sixth man that's actually used – I agree. Quite a bit. Um, I don't see... I think that'll be interesting. 2001 changes would be if Zeke Carell is ready to go, that Jarrett Patterson could move, or Zeke Carell could go to guard. You're, you're saying 2021. 2021. Okay. Um, so it'll be... You'll lose everybody but from this team. You'll lose all the guys. You'll have Banks, Lug, Patterson as the veterans. Quinn Carroll, Zeke Carell, John Dirksen coming up. On paper, it and, looks like it could be pretty good. And perhaps Christophic. Um, so that you might need to do movement just because you want to put people in the right yeah. positions. But I don't see why. I think they will try to go into next year. There'll be competition with Josh Lug trying to fight Robert Hainsey. And well, I, 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 I would think you'd have enough confidence to rotate him a little bit. Yeah. I, and, I and Kramer. He's, he was a guard, remember? I mean, there were times where he was a guard. There was times where he was a tackle. So he'll. I bet they'll give him two looks. In the spring, and not feel like you know how sometimes they say we didn't give a guy a chance to win because we moved him around so much. There's in the past when you move a guy too much, he has no chance to win the job. Right at one spot, I don't think they'll do that to him. But uh, they should take advantage of the fact that they'll have six good linemen next yeah. year. And then you know one injury along the line, you got yeah, you got you got an established uh, good football player. Dan underscore Brian twenty one. Is there a possibility of a grad transfer running back being part of the next year's roster? The team desperately needs a reliable guy to carry the football one hundred and fifty to two hundred times. I would I would think, despite the numbers at that position, which will 
will, which will change probably um, just because of the nature of dissatisfaction with your situation. Um, I would think that it would might be something that they would consider. You have to consider chemistry. You also yeah. have to consider, um, you know, if a guy is grad transferring, I'm not sure how much you're going to up, uh, upgrade. I think if you're getting a grad transferred running back, you're getting Tony Jones to come in and play alongside Tony Jones and Jafar Armstrong, who, yeah. who already are, know everything about the team and are well-liked and the chemistry issue. What about a transfer that is good? That gets a waiver because everybody in the world gets a waiver unless you go to Notre Dame and transfer. Can they can they finally make that work once? <laughs> I, I <laughs> a, a young good running back that's I, I behind I a stable they, people they, in the SEC. They vacated wins, and I still don't understand that. The um, grad transfer thing, Cody. Where's Cody Riggs when you need him? That's what they need to bring in. Grad transfer corner wow. that can help out. Yeah, and you don't have any um, <laughs> ties to like Bobby Brown that I'm <laughs> no. that I'm aware of. Uh, Buster Bibbin asked, "Do you think Howard Cross will still be redshirted?" Yes, and I certainly hope so. Yeah, I you know I think they're going to do everything they possibly can. Obviously, we've we've uh, thoroughly covered this and and what the situation is there. But I I think they will try to do everything that they can. Howard Cross, Manny did a good job against Navy. There's a lot of exciting things there, and I f- feel really good about how I always back that three star guy uh, coming in. Um, I think they'll do everything they can. I think the Howard Cross. Four game transfers, uh, uh, or four game transfer, boy, that's not good. Four game uh, redshirt rule is still being figured out by staffs all over America because maybe you don't want to play Howard Cross against New Mexico just to get his feet wet. I'm interested. You know, you got to figure these things out along the way. The mistake was Michigan. He obviously. I'm interested to find out how that mistake occurred. Well, my guess. And I will. Yeah, we'll find out. My guess is Jacob Lacey did hurt his shoulder in that game, so he came out. I don't know. I don't think it happened. It happened. I think at the end, near the end of the game too. I don't know if Cross automatically goes in when Jacob Lacey gets hurt, since MTA would already be out of the game. But somebody had to be on yeah. top of that and say he's not playing. He's just here. Like he's an emergency guy. Which, if Jacob Lacey hurts his shoulder in the first quarter, Howard Cross gets activated. Yeah, he's not activated purposefully to go in and stand there. Yeah. So they'll do everything they can. Ohio Indy fan nine. Will Kevin Austin play football for Notre Dame next year? Sure, I'm a positive guy. Like well, I'm I'm way more positive. <laughs> I know than you, you are because I don't because I am I'm confident that what has prevented him from playing football this year is not going to be an issue as he moves forward in his career because he's continues to be surrounded by big receivers that are starting to make millions of dollars, that and helps. I think Kevin Austin has that kind of ability. And I said I said it I said in today's Thursday thoughts. He is going to be Notre Dame's starting W, I presume, uh, but a starter for Notre Dame in 2020, and he'll be their leading wide receiver in terms of receptions. I think he will too, but to go back to your positivity point, which took Pete and I aback last week, if your son got four speeding tickets in a year, would you absolutely guarantee he wouldn't get a fifth in the summer when he goes home and goes for a drive somewhere? I'm- well, first of all, I don't all, mean Eric. I mean a first of all, my son, son would <laughs> <laughs> Douglas Farmer. How about that? <laughs> Douglas, those are parking tickets. <laughs> well, I, I, you wouldn't guarantee it, right? That's, so just... that's hilarious. I hope you listen to this, Douglas. Um, I don't know Kevin Austin that well, but I know a lot of people that do know him well, and I know how Notre Dame feels about him and their willingness to even consider 
going back on what their original decision was this year. That's a good point. I'm hopefully optimistic. Is that a term we can use? No, that's fair. Things? I, yeah. That's fair. I'm, I guess I'm just trying to step out and make a definitive right. statement about it. But I think we're all pretty confident that, well, first of all, he's not leaving Notre Dame. No, well, there's no yeah, right. Yeah. There's there's I, there's absolutely no reason to believe that at this point. And secondly, I, I just think he's going to be a good football player for Notre Dame. Andy Sushi. Any word if Ian Book's parents are going to hug him in the pregame? I presume that that means that. Well, what does that mean exactly? I know what it means. It, Brian <laughs> Kelly was saying he misspoke when he said we don't want to have guys go through this twice, so they know who's coming back oh. for the fifth year. They all go through it twice. Unless they're, they're doing it forever. Yeah, unless they're changing that. Well, they're not going to change they're that philosophy change because that? they're not. They won't definitively make a decision on fifth years before. Right, and even if Ian Book is a ninety nine point nine percent sure he's coming back or or leaving, let's say something tragic happens at Stanford or something remarkable happens in the bowl game to change his mind. He throws for five touchdowns against. Yeah, I don't think. Don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think. That's I'm just saying. To, like you, you go through senior day because you're a senior. Where and we think Ian Book's coming back for 2020. Yeah. Drew Brennan asks if Notre Dame had beaten Michigan, where would they be in the college football playoff rankings right now? Which is a five. Which it's well, first of all, I think it's a it's a very interesting question. Michigan it, it, wouldn't be, but like the they bottom. weren't even close to beating Michigan, no, so I haven't given any thought. Neither have I. But let's do it this way: because if they if they beat Georgia, which makes more sense, they would not be as high as if they would have beaten Michigan. Because uh, let's say you change one outcome, it would be Michigan change. So let's say they beat Michigan eighteen seventeen. Okay, rank. all right. Michigan A would not be looked upon as good as as good as they are now because they looked so good that day against Notre Dame. So Notre Dame would get a lot of credit, but not as much as Michigan is getting for housing Notre Dame. Right. So Notre Dame would be, they'd be behind Alabama. I was wrong. They'd be six. They'd be six. They'd be six. They'd be they would six. be six and would be complaining a lot about Alabama right now. Yeah. As opposed but it, to being It would be LSU, yeah. Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Bama, Notre Dame. With a chance, ooh, with trouble though, because Bama would be, have Auburn. And no. Notre and Dame I would have Stanford. That's. It'd be hard to get in, right? And I and I would. I mean, I guess I yeah I I, I would I'd be maybe I could me. argue no I would argue for Notre Dame being fifth. Me too, because that loss would only be the great Georgia game, right? Yeah, no, that would maybe but they would be sixth, <laughs> but they would be sixth yes. because it's Alabama right. and look, I kind of get it. It's yeah. you know I, I when I say it's because it's Alabama, I mean that in a positive way. They've earned it. They've earned it, and Plus, Notre Dame hasn't. They've never lost by uh, 30 but I, Michigan. But I certainly could argue in Notre Dame's favor being fifth. It's a good question, point. though. I yeah, like it is. That. Great. Tyler Wenzel, nine. Are any other bowl games in play other than the Cotton and Camping World? I assume he means with two wins. Yeah, with two losses, I'm not... With a loss, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But they're, not, they're not going to lose twice. With a loss, I don't think that's going to happen either. It, they're, I mean, it's... They're going to the Camping World Bowl. Yeah. I think so, too. And they're going to play somebody from the Big 12. It could be Iowa State. It could be Oklahoma State. That's the 29th, right? It could be Baylor, right, if they lose again. I'm not sure of that, I but, I, but I mean, at this, sta- it's, at this stage, it's... it's, uh, it's Look, if it's Orlando, like the weather we got the first time they went there... I don't think the listeners care too much about they the don't? weather we're going to be oh. hitting. <laughs> I, have a, a, I have a passing interest yes, in that. I if it's, if it's well. like a couple years ago, when it was cold and I was recovering from a heart attack, it stunk. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> can, I, can they go to the Bahamas Bowl? Is there still a Bahamas Bowl? <laughs> I, there's bound to be. Yeah. Herbs Ray. 
I know you believe Brian Kelly is not interested in Florida State, but if they were interested in him, why wouldn't he at least entertain the idea? He really only needs to catch one team in the currently weak ACC and it would clean up in recruiting. I get that argument, but I just don't think that that's where Brian Kelly's head is. I don't think that he would want to go to Florida State at age 58 and start anew at a program which would, you know, he would need some time to to build it back up. I, I, I mean, I get the whole recruiting thing and he would be able to clean up in recruiting, but it's just not where his mindset is right now. He's not a, he's not Urban Meyer, he's not... Nick Saban, he's not a guy that, you know, it's just uh, Nick Saban. I mean, Nick Saban's going to coach as long as he can coach, I guess. Um, I just think that he's looking at the end game now in his coaching career, not starting anew with Florida State or anybody else other than just being at Notre Dame. If Florida State, if all this happened to Florida State in 2000, at the end of 2015, I could see Brian Kelly going to Florida State in 15. Yeah, he was in a different place right. then. He was in a different mindset. But there's was... no way I think he will do that now. And I think it would be a really poor decision. I don't think he would have a better next four seasons at Florida State. Than no, he he's made. got it. Man, he's got it going in the direction. I know that people are saying, well, he's reached his ceiling. I don't know exactly how you know that that's... He would lose a lot next year. He would probably have them better. He would have them better the second year. And maybe he'd be able to take a shot in the fourth year. But that's it. Notre Dame will be better yeah, every other year. It's... Uh... It's not happening. Philly Hilly 93, what is your evaluation of Doug Flutie as an analyst? Do you think NBC could look at other options in the near future? I think he has done a I agree with something I saw on our board, that he has done a better job this year. I think he talks a little less, which is good for an analyst, because you're bound to say dumb things, just like anybody else. People in our profession should talk less. No doubt about it. People on this (laughs) podcast should should talk less. People on every podcast should talk less. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I make fun of Flutie a lot, and there's been many reasons to over the past years, and I, this is probably going to be sticking my foot in my mouth for BC Notre Dame week, because let's say BC's within seven, how much are people going to hate Doug Flutie during this broadcast in the fourth oh, quarter? Okay. But uh, I don't think they will look to other options. I think they would have already, because there's obviously been backlash. If he went into the season open-minded, he, he makes some good points. That's why talking less is important, because then you don't say silly things, too. And you don't repeat yourself because right. there's only so many good points you can make. I have never had a problem with Doug Flutie. I, I've never the, the 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 whole notion of him not liking Notre Dame. I don't believe that that's true. I've never sensed that. Does he have a? You know, not not all of us in this business have such a bias toward our alma mater that we can't be objective. I I, I don't. I think Doug Flutie offers great insight. Now, could the broadcast use a different? voice and spice things up a little bit absolutely sure, but i've sure. never i i you know i i continue to think and i do think that he's done an excellent job this year i i, I repeatedly you know part of the whole tale of the tape is to um i mean kind of comment on the broadcast yeah. as well because i'm not i'm not privy to that during the game um and i i just i think i continually quote him because i think what he says proves to be very very applicable to what unfolds in the game that's fair. Irish, nineteen eighty. When was the last time Notre Dame won ten games in a season and did not finish in the top ten? Do you know the answer to this? Two thousand seventeen. That's right. <laughs> Every year. Notre Every Dave. year. Two thousand seventeen. Two thousand fifteen. Oh, I didn't actually go. I, did. I started wondering. Two thousand seventeen. Ten wins, not in the top ten. Two thousand fifteen. Same thing. Well, because two thousand six. Same thing. Yeah, because two thousand two. Same the thing. Thirteenth game is <laughs> yes, a loss. That's a loss. I mean. How about now, this one? If you're nine if you're nine and three and you win the bowl game, you have a much better chance of How about this one? Sugar Bowl. Jerome Bettis, ten and three. 
outside the top ten after that beating of Florida. Oh my god. Florida. Oh my god. After that beating, ranked sixth. Wow. That's how highly Florida was thought of when Notre Dame put it on them. Yeah. I believe Notre Dame was ranked thirteenth behind sixth ranked Florida in nineteen ninety one after they hammered them. Now you want to talk about people getting mad. I don't I did not recall that. I did not recall that. And that was that that Sugar Bowl win over Florida. Yes, thirteenth and Florida was sixth. <laughs> That's one that was that was a great Notre Dame win because nobody thought they had a chance to win that game and Yes, right. Now eleven that wins, there's no such thing. Well there shouldn't be. I don't think there's such a thing. I mean Notre Dame used to no, go, you know, there shouldn't be. There and there won't be this year. They'll get in. if eleven wins they'll get in the top ten. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah, because a lot of teams are going to lose between yeah. now and the, the end of the bowl season. Uh, the Bronx Daily asked, should Jeff Quinn return as an offensive line coach next year? And you mean if it's if, if it's Jeff, you, should Jeff Quinn decide to come back? Or? I no, that's not what he Brian Kelly remove. I know, Quinn. I know. These questions actually go together, the next two. Um, let's table that for this next question. Because okay. this exact, it's really the same question. All right. Not Jay Tafel 1, assuming Notre Dame goes 10-2. and two, Let's say 11-2. and two. Do you expect any major changes by Brian Kelly in order to take the next step to winning a championship? I'm worried that a 10-2 and two record won't trigger changes like it happened after 2015, which resulted in the atrocity, good word, of 2016. <laughs> well, I don't think you make changes for the sake of changes, but I understand that there are people that think that there are some weaknesses in the staff now, now that it's been together for three years, basically. Um, so we think there'll be a change because Todd Light will move on. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't. I, I mean, I think that that's a possibility. Yeah. I, I'm I, not. This isn't like a Kevin Austin guarantee is going to be their thing. It's, no, this, I'm it's not. What we no. think. Right. Um, Just for logic. His family's in California. Yeah, that's the logic I, of it. It's not. Um, that's my. That's my commentary. Yeah. His family's in California. Um, I mentioned Justin Fry, who I thought was a really good candidate to succeed Harry Heastan and Phil Troutwine, who's at Boston College and is doing a good year. Um, or doing a good job. Um, should Jeff Quinn return? Brian Kelly's not going to fire him. No, I would be floored if Brian Kelly moves on from Jeff Quinn. Absolutely, I, floored. I, I just unless don't. they are terrible in the bowl game, rushing the ball and get humiliated or something like that. But we're talking if they win. I don't think so. I think he has six linemen coming back, and Look, he will have. Now he'll believe that this. Do, is do I think the that Norton, Do do we think that there are ways to upgrade that position? Yes. But I, that, and it's unlike not, many things, you could probably just go find the upgrade, and he would die to come to Notre Dame to coach that offensive line for the next, for the next year and the next couple of years. Well, Justin Fry would have come right. to Notre Dame um, as well. Uh, but like, as far you know, I mean, where do you want to make changes? I, I've, I've, you know, I've always felt Dell Alexander is underrated. Um, yeah, the receivers love him. Yeah, I. I guess they often love their. Most players do like their position coach, to be fair. They, I mean, it's, it, I know Harry Heastan didn't have everybody love him when they, weren't, when they were the lower-level players because he's yelling at you all the time. What, but the upper-level players did. What do we always say? The starters love Harry Heastan? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a uh, should. I don't know. I don't, I don't grade them closely enough to know if give me, the, give me the replacement, and I'll tell you if Brian Kelly should pull that trigger or not. But he's right. not going to pull that trigger. What's no, your level it's of not, shock that no. happens if they go eleven and two? Oh, God. No, that that would it it would not that will not happen. That will not happen. Um, okay, well we're out of questions in, in pairing those two up, and we uh, 
we have predictions and uh, in absentia Pete Sampson offers a 38 to 14 score in favor of Notre Dame and Tim what are you thinking I'm not too far from that I think these... over under 64 yes. which is which I mean I, I don't That's know about I'm you but okay I, I mean I always pick based upon so that there's a clear demarcation in the the right. spread and the over under. I am closer to uh, 38-20 than 38-14. I was thinking Notre Dame could have its best offensive day, the way they're trending. But I you got to remember before you say that three weeks ago I never would say they're going to score 38 on BC. So I don't want to go higher than that. Is my point. Three weeks ago I would not have said. Imagine telling in the middle of the Virginia Tech game, oh, oh they're going to score 38 on BC. It's going to be fine. Their offense is going to be great. So I really think they're trending in the right direction. I do. I think Ian Book is going to have a good day on Sunday, barring some of this weather, which is not supposed to be there. And Chase Claypool is unstoppable. The offense is rolling. I think there's mild inefficiencies still. Um, but I'm going, to sl- I'm going to stick at 38 to 20. And 38, the 20 is... I. I want to see Notre Dame tackle those two guys for four quarters if it's remotely close. Now, if they just get way up on them, BC won't get to 20 because they'll abandon the desire to pound Notre Dame. Right. Uh, checking the forecast now. It's been raining here today. It's 50% chance of rain. It drops to 10% Friday. 20% on Saturday. Mostly cloudy. 40 a high. Very little wind. Uh, they should be able to throw the football. So, Actually, 38's kind of been the working number that I've been using, too. It's a high over-under, 64, because that suggests 42 to yeah. 22. I, I mean, 42 other, to 21. You know, it suggests 42 to 21 range. The other number I was looking at was 41, and so that would mean 23 for BC. Yeah. So, Or are they thinking Nordame's going to score? They're probably thinking Nordame's going to score more than that now that their offense is starting to roll and... And uh, Boston College's defense continues to get rolled. If you're betting the over, think about this. Giving those seniors nice little high fives going out in the fourth quarter if they're up by a lot, too. Then Notre Dame doesn't score. Public service message. Yeah. I, I Celebrate the senior day. I, I tend to think I tend to think under as well. I, yeah, I actually am right. Under. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I don't know if it moved up or not or if it was there originally, but... Um, that one's a tough one, and I've been I'm seven and three on my over unders, so I'm going to have a tough one with that. And I, I, I think I'm, I mean, I just think Notre Dame plus nineteen. I, I, I just don't, I don't know. It just seems like a little much. The only Power Five game for Notre Dame to go over that, well, none of them did. No Power Five game has gone over sixty four. It's just, the, oh, okay. it's just the Navy bowling. It's just you know, the Navy and, New Mexico game. And I, you know, and the one thing that we've mentioned about all the variables here um i mean this is a really important game for boston college more than i mean i just think emotionally it is there's a there's a rivalry there for them that doesn't quite exist on the same level it does for notre dame um they they need to they need a win to be bowl eligible they need two wins to to uh, seven win steve who's done that in every year (laughs) but one um so you know, I, I'm, I'm inclined to say it's to, that Boston College covers. I, I, I'm, I'm not considering Nording losing, but it would have to be the freakish kind of things that we talked about it at the top. So, um, contrary to last week when the whole Navy situation seemed kind of scary, this one doesn't have that that factor involved with it, and um, and we'll see. But we know Boston College is going to come here and be physical, and it's going to be important, going to be important to them. So uh, I expect them to compete and to protect the football and to run it. 
Um, and we'll see how Notre Dame handles that. And Tim and I will be back on Saturday pregame when number 16 Notre Dame hosts Boston College. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com.